0: Big Ten fans, welcome back to another edition of the Big Ten Morning Minutes. I'm your host, Michael Chen. Give me a follow on Twitter, at Mike F. Chen. Give the show site a follow, as well, at Big Ten MM. It is Friday, January 17th, 2020, and yesterday, a lot of movement for coaches, and the reason for that was because... The dead period was still going on on recruiting. It has been lifted, so coaches are going to be out and about today. So you're going to see a lot of recruiting news come on Monday because coaches are actually allowed to go and speak with players. A lot of coaches are going to visit 20 prospects who are still available, 21 prospects as well. So there's a lot going to be going on on the recruiting side of things this weekend. So therefore that's why it's been a little quiet that's why you haven't seen a lot of recruiting action the last couple of days so due to that there's a lot of coaching changes that were happening during this period that's typically what happens right around the end of the season where teams are finishing up their year and the NFL is finishing up their year as well when the NFL schedule ends and Coaches move, et cetera, et cetera. You're seeing a lot of movement on that side as well. So let's get into what was going on with the new coaching hires. We'll start off at Indiana. And Jason Jones, he's going to be joining Indiana staff. He will coach the safeties. And Casey Teagarden, he was previously coaching the safeties. He's going to move over to coach the special teams unit as well. We've got Penn State defensive coordinator Bob Shoop to, former, I'm sorry, Penn State defensive coordinator Bob Shoup, uh, he's going to join the Michigan staff in an unknown role at the current moment, but he has been hired on to Jim Harbaugh's team after the odd departure of Anthony Campanelli, kind of interesting because it seemed as if Campanelli was going to stay, and then he bolted off, like I said yesterday, bolted off to the NFL, so unfortunately for michigan they're losing a up-and-coming coach to the nfl but again i guess it's a feather in jim harbaugh's hat when you say hey my coaches are moving on to the nfl they're going on to the next level if you want to come here and learn and be able to make it to that level not the worst place to do it so it's a good and bad situation for campanelli but clearly shoop is a very good coach and knows what the hell he's doing Nebraska, they're seeing a familiar face return in Mike Dawson. Dawson was previously the defensive line coach in 2018, left last year to go to the New York Giants in the NFL. And after they clearly had a terrible season, he's back in Lincoln, going to coach the linebackers this time, outside linebackers to be specific. And he knows his players. I think it's a good hire because there's not there's going to be a little easy transition here for Scott Frost and his group because yeah, he knows what's going on, he knows the players, and you have to figure that that's something that kind of enticed him to come back, Dawson to come back and be a Husker once again. So, Derek King, uh, he is a Houston quarterback, well, I would say former Houston quarterback. Now, because prior to the bowl season, King said that he was going to stay at Houston, that he wasn't going to transfer, and then on Monday during the national championship, came out on Twitter and said that he actually is going to transfer, and with that transfer comes rumors, and this rumor's big, and this rumor could be really, really big for Mike Loxley, because there's a rumor going on that he could potentially end up in Maryland. King is a extremely talented, talented quarterback, and what Loxley tried to do last year with Josh Jackson, the former Virginia Tech quarterback, he tried to get a little bit of a, you know a head start with him and get on the field with the transfer, worked early on in the season as Maryland got off to a hot start, but then it all kind of fell apart for Loxley, Maryland, and they ended up not having the best season and no bowl game, clearly. So he's trying to reach out in the transfer portal. And I think for Mike Loxley, that's a smart move. I especially think that when you're building a team, if you can get guys that can come in and contribute right away via the transfer portal, like King could, then yeah, go do it. Go grab those guys. Smart move. I like the fact that he's trying to. We will track everything that's going on with King because, you know, it's it's pretty fresh. It's pretty new. Like I said, the dead period is over, so they are allowed to talk with all the players once again and the recruits, so we'll see what King does. I think what will be very telling is where King goes and visits because those are probably his top schools. We'll see if King will... End up going to Maryland uh, from what I have looked at I do not believe that King really has any ties to the Terrapin program right now no ties to the DMV area as well so it'll be interesting to see if he comes up north and ends up playing in the Big Ten a uh, higher competition clearly than playing at Houston so that will be uh, an issue for King but He's put up some really solid numbers. Uh, Tom Herman recruited him when he was initially there before moving on to Texas. So it'll be interesting to see where King ends up, but it's potential that he could end up in College Park and be a Terrapin and on the field next year leading the team. Center County DA's office yesterday in Pennsylvania, State College, they made a statement regarding the accusations of James Franklin, Damian Barber, and of Penn State about former player Isaiah Humphreys and the sexual allegation assaults. They investigated in April of 2019, and their investigation was very thorough, at least so they claim. Thorough, they interviewed players, they interviewed coaches, they interviewed staff members, people in the know as well and their investigation came back with no evidence towards the accusations that Humphreys has made against Penn State. So therefore, they pretty much, I wouldn't say they have closed the case, the DA's office, but they, in their statement, they also asked if anybody has any extra knowledge about this, that they would love for that information to go and look into it a little bit more. So It'll be interesting to see what continues to come out of this. Clearly, allegations are very, very chilling, as I noted a couple of days ago. And I don't want to go over the allegations again. If you want to hear the allegations, please go read them online, or you can go back a couple of days and check out the podcast. But either way, uh, it's uh, it's not a good look for Penn State, regardless, even if... It comes out that the allegations were false. It's just, you know, there's always a little bit of truth to some of these rumors. And, and like I said, hazing happens in almost every locker room in some form. But this uh, a is little, a little troubling, a little disturbing as to what's going on here with this one. And, uh, you know, I, I hope everything comes up clean for Penn State because, you know, this would be another big time black eye for the program after all the Jerry Sandusky happenings, you know, you just you clearly want to stay away from that if you're Penn State, and I hope James Franklin has a sit down with his players and says, hey, look, if there's any sort of thing that like this that is close to being true, needs to stop, cannot happen ever, ever again. The USA Today released a way too early top 25 for their 2020 season Uh, they've got wisconsin at 18 michigan at 12 iowa is at 10 penn state is at seven and ohio state is at three a little bit interesting to see minnesota not in there i thought that they would potentially crack that. Uh, I actually, I like Purdue as well going into next year uh, with the return of Rondell Moore, the emergence of David Bell. You've got George Karloftis. I think Jeff Broms has got that team headed in the right direction. Uh, a little interesting not to see them in there. I think Iowa's ranked a little high, especially looking at what their losses are. Uh, AJ Panessa, Tristan Wirfs, Torin Young is leaving as well, having to replace Nate Stanley. There's a lot of moving parts for the Iowa team. There's a lot of question marks to me. And a 10 ranking, I think that's a little high, to be honest with you. I would have ranked them in that top 25, but a little bit lower, potentially 15 to the 20 range, somewhere in there. Um, Wisconsin, I think that is a a solid rank for them, as well as Michigan. Uh, They've got question marks as well, especially Wisconsin in in the backfield. Clearly losing Jonathan Taylor and then star center Tyler Biotish. That is going to hurt them. And they've lost a lot of wide receivers. Aaron Kruscheng is going to transfer out. You're looking at Quintez Cephas as well going off to the NFL. Lots of question marks on them. So them ranked at the 18 spot. I think that is a good spot for them because of all those question marks. Uh, Penn State, I love what they're bringing back. Yes, they are losing Itor Gros but I think he's the biggest loss for them. K.J. Hamler as well, big-time loss, but I think James Franklin has recruited wide receivers well enough for that, although they might not be household names right now, you're going to see some of their wide receivers pop up. Sean Clifford clearly returns. You have uh, Noah Kane coming back as well and I like their team, Micah Parsons is there, although, you know, uh, Micah Parsons was actually uh, mentioned in the accusations as well, so uh, I think that uh, Penn State's solid, and then the Buckeyes as well, you know, they're losing a ton of talent as well, most notably, you're looking at Jeff Okuda, J.K. Dobbins, and most likely the number two overall draft pick in the country and Chase Young, but There's one thing that Ohio State does better than any other team in the conference, and that is consistently recruit high-level players. Therefore, I don't really think the Buckeyes are going to lose much. Again, it's very similar to what's going on with Penn State and their wide receiver group. Ohio State doesn't have the big-time names that are returning necessarily, but the talent is there 100%. USA Today also released a 2020 mock, and that was done by Michael Middlehurst-Schwartz. And in that mock, they've got Chase Young going number two overall to Washington, number three overall Jeff Okuda. So two Buckeyes getting taken in the first three picks. I think that's pretty solid as to where these two young men are going to be. As I've reported, the multiple mocks that we've gotten and seen, it's pretty much... Joe Burrow, Chase Young, Jeff Okuda. I think that those three are almost locked in to the top, barring some sort of injury between now and the combines, the interviews, etc. I just can't see any of those teams going any other way than those three players, unless, I mean, they're they're is a slight possibility that Cincinnati says you know what maybe we don't need a quarterback right now and they go and take Chase Young and then it becomes interesting as to where Joe Burrow ends up that's the only thing that I could see Uh, I'm not sure it would be a Aaron Rodgers type of situation where he drops that low because I think other teams need a quarterback early on in the first round but I think it's interesting because, you know, if you look at it, you're looking at Andy Dalton's leaving, and I think it would be a seamless transition, but I think it's just, it makes the most sense that Cincinnati would take Joe Burrow at one, but I think that's the one thing where you could see a crazy NFL shakeup in the draft. That's if Cincinnati opts to go another direction aside from Joe Burrow, I, I just can't see that. Getting back into Middlehurst-Schwartz's mock draft, you've got Tristan Wirfs going 10, the Iowa tackle to Cleveland. Uh, Staying with Iowa at 13, you've got Indianapolis taking A.J. Epinesa. At 18, Miami would select Itor Grossmatos. And this one, first time, I wouldn't, uh, yeah, I think first time, actually maybe not the first time, maybe Matt Miller, I believe a couple weeks ago, might have had K.J. Hamler in the first round as well, but this one... Michael uh, Middlehurst-Schwartz has Hamler going 30th overall to Green Bay. Again, I feel as if if you're going to be an early entry type of guy, you better get drafted in the first two rounds because that's where you should be drafted if you're an early entry guy. Otherwise, I think you should stay in school and get a little bit more seasoning, a little bit more reps to entice an NFL team to pick you a little bit earlier. And seeing Hamler's name for Green Bay, I like it. Uh, you're going to a Hall of Fame quarterback in Aaron Rodgers who doesn't care whose name is on the back of a jersey. If you're open and you can catch the ball, he's going to get you the ball. And K.J. Hamler is electric with the ball. And if that's the case, that would be a great landing spot for K.J. Hamler. All right, a couple notes on the hardwood as well. Sports Illustrated released their midseason All-American team. There is one Big Ten player on each the first, second, and third team. It's a little bit surprising who is on the first team. It's not Cassius Winston. It's Luca Garza, Iowa's star forward. And this one doesn't surprise me. Garza has clearly, to me, been the best player on the hardwood this year in the Big Ten. You've got Winston on the second team. He's been great. The issue is inconsistency. Cassius Winston's had some really good games some elite games then he's also had some average okay games so I think that's why you're seeing Winston on the second team and then Minnesota senior center Daniel Oturu he placed on the third team here Oturu has been fantastic recently I think that Oturu is probably the best pure big man in the conference and I wouldn't say in the country but he's up there he's clearly a really good player and uh, I'd love to, I would have liked to see a freshman, you know, m- midseason All American team on there too, because there's one guy in Kofi Coburn that I think 100% is a shoe in on the first team. A shoe in. I mean, the young man has been absolutely fantastic for his early on work with the Fighting Illini and Brad Underwood. All right. And speaking of the Illini. The news came out yesterday that they will play in the Emerald Coast Classic next year, uh, November 27th through the 29th uh, next season this year. Uh, They're going to play two of these four teams at home, Alabama A&M, Louisiana Monroe, McNeese State, or North Florida. So uh, nice to get in a preseason tournament for the Fighting Illini. I think it's always fun when you see teams get involved in something like this because always good for the players to get a little bit extra exposure and you know it, it's cool to be in a tournament type atmosphere there were no games played on the hardwood yesterday so we'll take a look at going forward what the schedule is going to be for this weekend tonight you've got a couple of pretty good games you've got wisconsin who is playing absolutely fantastic right now they are heading out to east lansing to fake take on the 15th ranked spartans and Michigan, they are going on the road to take on the midseason All-American Luca Garza and the Iowa Hawkeyes. So that's two damn good games going on tonight. Looking at Saturday's slate, you've got an early game of Ohio State and Penn State. Uh, this is going to be a fun one as well. I think this will be a very, very interesting game. Uh, also, a little bit later, you've got Purdue taking on Maryland. Purdue. Hitting their stride. I think they're coming along and they're doing a lot of good things. And Maryland, they've been kind of a Jekyll and Hyde team right now. You pretty much are seeing, you know, either a really good Maryland or an average Maryland. So interesting to see which Maryland actually shows up Saturday afternoon. And then in the later afternoon, you've got Northwestern taking on Illinois in Champaign. This one, you'd have to figure that, uh, you know, it. it's time to really get going for the Fighting Illini. And it seems like it, they can't let up. They just became ranked, although it's only in the AP and not in the coaches. they are still got a number next to their name, and sometimes that carries heavy weight. So you'd like to see the Fighting Illini take care of business against the Wildcats this weekend on Saturday. And then Indiana is visiting Lincoln. The Hoosiers, again, they've been kind of Jekyll and Hyde as well. Uh, I think that you could say that about a whole hell of a lot of programs inside the Big Ten. And I think that this one, when you're visiting Nebraska and taking on Fred Hoiberg's squad, I I just feel as if, you know, Fred Hoiberg's squad a little bit overmatched at the current moment. And then another great game on Sunday as Minnesota travels to Rutgers. Daniel Oturu is a monster and he's going to take on a a Rutgers team that has been very surprising to me and I think they're although I don't I'm not like super surprised about what Rutgers is doing I think the nation is surprised a little bit as well because uh, Rutgers isn't seen as a powerhouse in really anything uh, nationally on the big two sports and basketball and football but they're making some moves here on the basketball court so pretty nice to see that and uh, we got a really good slate of weekend games inside the conference, and that's going to do it for me this morning on your Big Ten Morning Minutes, I appreciate the listen, give me a follow on Twitter at Mike F. Chen, go ahead and follow the show page as well, it's at Big Ten MM, follow the website as well, it's at Two Cents Pods on Twitter, rate us, review us, and share us on all of your listening platforms if you like, you can also follow us on Facebook, give us a like over there, Have a great weekend, Big Ten fans. Talk to you on Monday morning.